In this edition of Locked On Capitals, it is a special crossover edition as I am joined by Locked On Flyers as we talk about the future and the plans of the Flyers and the Capitals next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, hit the thumbs up button. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, in this episode, that is what we're going to do. I'm going to talk with the Flyers and talk about what their future is and what is the future plans of the Capitals. We'll talk about that next. All right, so continuing our series of checking in with some of our friends in the Metro Division, we are thrilled to welcome to the show from Locked On Capitals, Dan Holmey. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, Dan, heading into this offseason, what were the biggest issues that the Caps were facing, and how do you think they did overall? I mean, I think that Brian McClellan swung for the fences. You know, I kind of criticized him on my podcast all season long saying, you know, why didn't you do something with the net minding situation? We take a look at this uh, Washington Capitals team, this rock the red era, if you will, of Alex Ovechkin. And we know that we have a limited time with him on this team. So it kind of seemed like they squandered these last two years with kind of inconsistency in that in the form of Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov. But he went out and he solidified the net mining situation, getting Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren. I don't think you can go out and get a bigger net miner than Darcy Kemper, you know, on paper anyway. I think he's going to be a great net miner. You take a look at the, the injuries that the Capitals face with Tom Wilson. Uh, the Capitals got Connor Brown and then they got Dylan Strom to take uh, Nick Backstrom's spot. Nick Backstrom has that hip resurfacing procedure that was done. And uh, just honestly, it's the outcome on that doesn't look that great. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that he will be able to come back. But I feel positive that they got Dylan Strom and that Brian McClellan, the GM, was so active to take care of all the holds uh, in the lineup. Yeah, I think he um, he did. And I think for the most part, you'll be happy with Kemper. He He's going to have moments where you're not going to be happy with him. But uh, if the defense is there to help him, he'll be good. But my... You know, you mentioned Tom Wilson, and last year Brett Leeson filled the role. And, you know, he's not the same player, but he's the same size. He's got some offensive ability. Do you anticipate early in the year he's going to fill that same role? 
Yeah, I mean, I think Connor Brown could fill that line. He could also play on the second line right wing. Uh, there's another guy in Hershey, uh, Beck Malenstein as well, uh, a big frame that I think would fit in there as well. You know, I think that, uh, you know, like what Brian McClellan said is just because you think you know where these players are going to go, that doesn't necessarily mean where they're going to end up going. These players are going to have to fight for their jobs. There's guys on the Capitals, Connor McMichael, that's going to fight for his job as uh, playing a center. Um, also defensively, if you take a look at it, uh, Lucas Johansson and Alex Alexiev when he comes back from his surgery. So I think that, you know, I think that the team is sketched out in a certain way, but what actuality will be uh, after the training camp might be something completely different. Well, let me, since I was going to ask you about McMichael, I'm assuming Strom is going to play higher in the lineup, at least to start. Uh, where does that leave McMichael? Like a 3C, 4C spot? Is that what it is? Yeah, so the interesting thing uh, there is that Lars Eller, um, I, you know, everyone was talking about it, and I talked about it in my podcast, that it was probably his last year on the Capitals. And then that we had that bombshell dropped that Nick Backstrom is going to be out for a long period. And all of a sudden, Lars Eller became a little bit more relevant. So I think it's going to be a battle for that third line if it's going to be Lars Eller or Connor McMichael. I know that Connor McMichael generally likes to play on the wing, but, you know, these young guys are kind of a Swiss army knife. They, they'll play wherever you need them, essentially. Um, but I think that, you know, Lars Eller's production has seen a dip. So I think that that is going to be, you know, a battle there. I think that the fourth line is going to be pretty much solidified. If they get Hagelin coming back, you got Dowd and Hathaway, kind of that snarl line out there, if you will. Um, I think that they got great production from the fourth line. So I don't think they're going to want to tinker with that one uh, too much. Sorry, uh, I believe your mic is muted there. I was just wondering where Dylan Strom goes then in that lineup. Uh, uh, Dylan Strom is ostensibly going to be the second line center. Um, Evgeny Kuznetsov is generally speaking the top line um, center. But, uh, you know, every once in a while, if Nick Backstrom comes back, if they're looking for that great goal scoring touch, it's about putting uh, Backstrom and Ovechkin on the same line together. You could make the argument that Alex Ovechkin, who will one day be the best goal scorer of all time, I really do believe. I don't think that he would have reached that level uh, if it wasn't for someone like Nick Backstrom serving him then passes to his office at the left circle there. I'll fight that. I don't think he's going to catch Gretzky, but I think he'll uh, yeah. Yeah. he'll have a big number at the end. That's okay. Uh, also, you know, you mentioned Lucas Johansson. I don't know if I would exactly count on him, but, you know, with the guys that the Caps have on defense, I have to say I think Dmitry Orlov is probably one of the more underrated defensemen yeah. in the league. He just kind of gets never talk, never gets talked about. Yeah, and he has some great offensive upside to him as well. Yep. Um, and just a really a, a big, tough guy out there. Um, Alan May, who covers the Washington Capitals, said, you, you guys think you know who the tough guy is, but you should see Dmitry Orloff out there. He's got legs like tree trunks out there. Um, so he has that offensive upside, and he brings a real physical uh, aspect to the game like a lot of the um, other Russians do on the team as well. You mentioned uh, Beck Malenstein, who is somebody that we've seen quite a bit uh, watching Phantoms games up against Hershey. And I'm just wondering if, you know, in addition to him, there's any other top prospects in the system or Hershey guys that could crack the lineup. 
Yeah, so it's going to be interesting there. You have Leeson, you have Protus, uh, Malenstein, like I talked about. Uh, there's Advecchioni as well. Uh, a lot of these guys, uh, Hendrick Slop here, I can't overlook Hendrick Slop here, kind of the crown jewel uh, in the Washington Capitals uh, organization, a guy that played on juniors primarily last year, but uh, had a brief uh, stint with the Washington Capitals in the beginning of the season. But I think that Hendrick Slop here will end up playing uh, in Hershey. I do think that, you know, Leeson and Protus and a lot of these guys are going to to fight uh, to get their jobs. I think that, you know, like I say, that Strom and Connor Brown are there, but that doesn't mean, you know, that one of these these big guys, one of these young guys couldn't come in and take the job from them. Um, and then if you also take a look in net, uh, just kind of fanning out and widening the lens a little bit there as well, is you take a look at Charlie Lindgren, you know, a guy that's a bit of an unproven commodity. He played really well for St. Louis and in, in the, their farm team there as well. But uh, the uh, Capitals have someone else in Hershey in the form of Zach Fukale. I was a bit surprised that they didn't go with him. They could have got him on the cheap and uh, just a really solid netminder had three shutouts back to back for Hershey and was lights out the time he did play with the Capitals. But I think that, you know, a lot like uh, the Washington Capitals, you take a look at the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins aging rosters. Um, I think you're going to see changes over time. But certain promises were made to Alex Ovechkin that he would stay on a competitive team. So you're not going to see these wholesale changes until after uh, the Alex Ovechkin era, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think they are doing everything they can to keep Ovi. I think the thing with Fucali is um, he's had such a sojourn since his draft, but Lindgren's bigger, right? I think they're looking for that backup to be bigger probably. Just just to be on the safe side in case Kemper, you know, has issues. That's just my feeling. I don't know if yeah. that's what the way they're going. But um, also look. All right. So after the break, we are going to continue to talk with Locked On Flyers as we talk about the future of the Capitals and the Flyers and what their plans are. But first, betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. And guys, if you haven't been over to Bet Online yet, what are you waiting for? It makes watching the games that much more exciting. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports, wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet online where the game starts. King at the Capitals. TJ Oshie is a guy that, um, you know, has gotten tougher over the years, but his scoring has has dipped. I feel like without Backstrom now, and I don't think Backstrom will be back this year. Anyhow, just to kind of throw that out there, I know this injury has derailed almost every hockey player it's it's happened to, but Backstrom's a, a different guy, so maybe you know he can come back at some point, but. I think Oshie has to really step up here if the, if the Caps want to really do anything. Yeah, and here's the deal with TJ Oshie is that he plays much bigger than he is. He's not the biggest yeah. guy on the ice, but don't tell him that. Um, he'll take on some of the biggest guys out there. Um, you are correct, though. He, he did see a dip in his goal scoring uh, there a bit. Um, but I do think, you know, father time is coming for us all. And that is kind of what, what they're talking about. There's that aging roster. You take a look at Lars Eller and, and, and just a lot of the guys out there that aren't seeing quite 
uh, the level of performance that they had at one time. But I do think that they do need to see TJ Oshie in top form. He is a really great playmaker and just a great all-around athlete in general. Uh, if you look back to his days in War Road, he was a great football player, just a really uh, an all-around uh, great guy. And not just a great hockey player, but I think just a real positive uh, presence in the locker room as well. You know, he's uh, always quick to put a positive spin on thing, and uh, he's not, you know, always taking a dip into the doldrums if the Capitals aren't doing that well. I think another guy on that list is Carlson, who's yep. getting getting up there. And uh, I think that's, for me, one of the bigger, I think, weaknesses for the Caps right now is the blue line. How, how do you look at it? Yeah, so, I mean, they did lose uh, Schultz uh, in the offseason here, and I think that, you know, he wasn't, they didn't get really quite the production out of him that uh, they had hoped for. I mean, I think that he played okay, but to answer your question about John Carlson, he still, I think, at the end of the day, uh, will be considered at the end of his career as one of the better defensemen on the Washington Capitals, just a really kind of a workhorse out there. He doesn't miss a lot of time because of injury. And uh, but yeah, you I mean, you're right. He is getting a bit up there and older. And uh, I think that that is where these younger players fit in. If you take a look at Martin Faravari, a guy that was slated to make the big team until the Capitals got Chara. And then he had to kind of be patient and wait one more year, but has just doing a really great job with the Washington Capitals kind of brings a big physical game. And, uh, you know, that's the one thing I notice about a lot of these younger guys, the defensemen is they have a lot of offensive upside as well. They're not just these uh, stay at home defensemen, if you will. Yeah. The other thing is um, what's also taken a dip and is sort of in the middle of the league is their power play. And, and look, Carlson's still great. I, you know, I think, I think the world of John Carlson and, and Ovechkin, but, but they are going to need, especially without Backstrom now more catalysts on the power play, because I feel like that it should be better than what it was last year. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And they are missing some big pieces out there. You know, I know that around the league, Tom Wilson is seen as this goon is this tough guy, but not a lot of goons score 20 plus goals. Ryan Reeves, I'm talking to you out there. Um, so I know that he's a guy that everyone loves to hate, but, um, I, you know, that's, a I don't hate question. Tom Wilson. Actually, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I, I like Tom Wilson. I interviewed him pre-draft. He, he's a terrific athlete. He's a fun guy. I interview him all the time. I happen to like him. It's just that we all know he, he gets a little carried away. He does. He does. I mean, and you know, he does play, you know, high emotion. And I think that, you know, just as he's a tough guy. So it just kind of comes in his nature to be a tough guy. And, you know, sometimes to his detriment, that's why he's been suspended multiple times uh, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, they're, they're getting that production out there. Kuznetsov uh, was in the top three um, goal scorer out there. Number two on the Washington Capitals. Um, Evgeny Kuznetsov was one of those interesting players the year before was on the trading block and Terry, this year who covers the capitals for the athletic they said you know they would love to trade kuznetsov but they won't get enough for him and you know it's good on brian mcclellan and you know maybe just fate or whatever you want to call it that they were patient and they waited that one more year because i think that he saw a level of maturity out there that was you know lacking before that was you know a, a kuznetsov that had some personal issues shall we say in his free time and got into you know, some COVID activity with some of the other Russians, Ilya Samsonov yeah. and, and mm -hmm. Alex Ovechkin and the like out there. So um, I just think that, you know, a lot of these players are starting to come into their own and getting uh, some great goal scoring. But, you know, if when you do have Nick Backstrom and some of these integral players out of the lineup, you're going to need to see some of these younger players uh, step up and fill those roles.
Yeah, I, I think so. I, um, you know, it, it's really interesting looking at the caps and pens with them being such a huge rivalry, but at the same time, they're in sort of similar situations with an aging core that they're trying to keep together for those superstars, right? And I'm just wondering how you see like the comparison between those two teams right now. I mean, I do see a lot of the same things. You take a look at Crosby and Malkin and Latang, and, and those guys have been together for some time. And I do think to a certain extent that that Penguins team is kind of going through a similar thing that the Capitals are going through. They are a little bit scared to make changes uh, because this is the Washington Capitals team that won the Stanley Cup in 2018, and you don't want to kind of offset the chemistry too much. And you take a look at the Penguins, and they had quite a bit of success with Crosby and Malkin and Latang and, and, and the likes of those guys out there. So I think it's a bit of the same thing out there. Um, I did do an episode where um, I talked about that it would have been a good idea for Malkin to come to the to the Washington Capitals. Our mutual friend Sean Woodley thought that was a good idea to uh, kind of stir the pot there, if you will. But um, mm -hmm. I uh, might have mentioned that about the Flyers as well. But. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that that would have been interesting. But, you know, he is uh, kind of always prone to the injury bug out there as well. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you, you know, you take a look at the Bruins, you take a look at the Capitals and the Penguins. It, it, they're all an aging roster that is is staring change straight in the face. It's going to happen sooner or later. I just don't think it's going to be, you know, kind of like what the Rangers did a few years ago. If you take a look at what the Rangers had out on the ice, it was one of those teams out there that they were getting no success out there. And it was a rough year, year and a half out there. But now take a look at the Rangers. You know, they kind of went through some big changes and, you know, they made a pretty solid push into the playoffs. So if the Capitals, you know, or one of these other teams, the Penguins or the Bruins, if they could kind of emulate that a little bit, uh, I think that going forward, that's a positive sign. Yeah, for me, and, and I'm, I'm okay with Kemper. For me, the biggest thing on the Capitals is, you know, getting Dylan Strom to fill this role. He's not the fastest guy. He does have good hands. He does have ability. But when he was putting up big points, he had Patrick Kane next to him. And so you just it does make me wonder how far the Caps are going to go to try and get him to succeed without sort of really messing with their lineup too much because it could go the other way too. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, they are going to... I mean, he also can play winged as well. So if it, it mm -hmm. just turns out that he's not getting that production, then I think that they're going to look at what their other options are, you know, in the form of a Connor McMichael out there. You know, but I, I would say that the one bugaboo or the one thing that the Washington Capitals had with their younger players, um, I was talking about with one of the beat writers uh, for the Washington Capitals, is it wasn't sustainable. You know, a lot of these young players that they worked into the lineup, they had flashes of greatness, but then they kind of dried off. Um, so what you need is these young players to step up and sustain that goal scoring touch. Um, you know, like you talked about with Dylan Strom, I mean, he's going to get, you know, a, you know, somewhat of a long leash, but you know, if he's not getting that production, they're going to try to work someone else into that spot as well. And uh, I think that that would be good for some of the younger players as well. Mm -hmm. So when all is said and done, where do you think the caps end up in the standings for the division? I mean, I would like to say that they, I don't know if they're going to win the president's trophy, but uh, I do think that they should finish towards the top. If you take a look at the Capitals this season, you know, they had a hundred points. And generally speaking, if you take a look around the different divisions, that may have put you on the very top, but the Metro is a very competitive division. I mean, you guys know that as well. And um, so I think that uh, they should finish near the top as long as they can get, 
you know, so, you know, all these pieces to fit together. You know, you take a look at some of these teams and you, you, you sketch it out on paper and you look at it and you go, yeah, that looks like a pretty good lineup. But, you know, you take a look at the Edmonton Oilers, for example, that is an all-star team out there. You got Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl and, but they can't get the goaltending and they can never put it together. So if you take a look at the Washington Capitals, as long as the stars align, and if you put all those pieces in the pot and it, you know, it makes a nice casserole, then I think the Washington Capitals uh, will be in a good position to do, to do great things. I would like to say that they're going to make a push into the playoffs. My goal for them is to make a push at least into the second round because the Capitals won in 2018. And after that, they have not made it past the first round that should be their goal. I mean, obviously, I'd like a Stanley Cup, but to even to make it past the first round, I think would be a, a good feeling. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I think that's a, a really good goal for them to have. I don't know if, if they'll get there. I think it's going to be an interesting race in the division overall. And uh, I think, you know, the Caps should, in theory, be in the top three, but if the stars don't align properly, they could be on the outside looking in just because of the numbers game in the division. Yeah. I mean, I think they got a lot better. Uh, there's a lot of teams out there that got a lot better. I mean, if you want to take a look at the flames, for example, or you take a look at, at what Florida, I don't know if that's going to end up working out for them. And then Columbus getting Johnny Goudreau out there, you know, there's a lot of teams out there that potentially could be, you know, just great teams. But if you want to kind of switch gears a little bit, you know, I'm a big fan of the Washington Nationals and they lost two big players to the San Diego Padres. Guess what? That didn't help that team. So sometimes things that are sketched out, um, they seem good, but in actuality, they're really not that great. But so the Capitals, I look at them on paper, it looks good. If that translates into actuality, that's another thing altogether. Yeah, I think they're going to struggle to get past the Canes and the Rangers, but then I think they'll be in the mix. Yeah, that's for sure. And of course, we got the Flyers as well. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, here a little bit later in the show. But uh, yep. some some big changes going on out there. All right. So after the break, we are going to continue to talk with Locked On Flyers. Is how what are their projections for their team, and what are my projections uh, for the Washington Capitals? But first. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks, and a few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby, you can make it home okay, it's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyways? And even so, what's the worst thing that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, your car, you kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Yeah, uh, Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about the caps. And uh, where can people find you out there? All right. So you can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. And then, of course, you can find the show wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, including YouTube. So when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, hit the thumbs up button. It really helps grow the channel. 
Okay, so um, just just taking a look at what what you guys have. The Flyers finished twenty five and forty six. What is the outlook for twenty twenty two twenty three? I know that you know the net mining situation for the Flyers has kind of been the one of the Achilles heel for that team as well. You got Carter Hart on that team. What is your outlook uh, for the Flyers going uh, forward? I'll let Rachel go first, then I can go. Uh, I think that is the $64,000 question. I may be dating myself with that dollar amount there, but um, I think that it could go one of two ways, right? Because with the hire of John Tortorella, there's going to be some natural improvement, I think, because he runs a really structured game out there with his system, very defensively focused, very shot blocky. And so I think that in terms of the goals allowed, he will be working to minimize that. And I think that was obviously a a big problem. And he recognizes that Carter Hart did not have a lot of help in front of him last year, especially. And so he's looking to fix that. And I think he will to some degree. Um, And I think that on the other hand, there were not a lot of changes made in this offseason. Uh, the couple of pickups they made are, you know, on the defensive side, it was Tony D'Angelo, except he's known as an offensive defenseman and his, his defense is questionable. And then the offensive pickup was Nick Delorier, who's a fourth line kind of goonish player. And so there wasn't really anything on the goal scoring side of things. Uh, So I think that there'll be a lot of uh, depending on some of the younger kids and people to take a step up from what they did last year. So, you know, again, it could go either way here. (laughs) Yeah, I'll, I'll say that, you know, and I'll mimic the coach that, yeah, the standard will get raised, but there hasn't been much change on the team. Like Rachel said, and I don't think they're um, going to get that many more points in the standings. Maybe they get like five, seven more wins because it would be hard to be worse. Uh, but, you know, in the end, I think to- early on, Tortorello is going to be frustrated. And I don't think the answer is to just load up on tough guys so the fans stay entertained because we're going to have one or two fights a game. Uh, you know, that that may have worked in the old days. It'll work to some degree if it's a... If they're down three nothing, sure fans will cheer on a fight, but it's not going to get you a lot of points in the standings. So one of the the crazy ideas out there, I was doing a little bit of research on your team, is do you think that the uh, that the Flyers should tank on purpose to get Connor Bedard, who is lauded as being the number one draft pick next season? It's kind of a crazy idea, but one of the beat writers for the Flyers out there thought that was an interesting idea. What are your thoughts on the Flyers tanking on purpose? I mean, I could yeah. give you a quick quick answer, then I'll let Rachel go. I I don't think it's smart because Arizona's got like 20 games on the road because of their new arena, similar to like what the Islanders went through last year. So they're going to be in the forefront of tanking even without trying. I, I think even if the Flyers were to tank, and of course the coach wouldn't let them, I don't think they'd even be in the tanking race. I think I don't think they're in the tanking race, and I don't think they're in the playoff race. 
Yeah, because I mean, I've seen mixed results with that. Uh, I think the Ottawa Senators did that. Uh, it almost seemed like they were tanking for a while. But, you know, you take a look also at the Buffalo Sabres, and it didn't, doesn't matter how bad they tank or what draft pick they get. They just can't put wins together in that in that city. And it's too bad because they have a fan base that really loves them. Um, but just taking a look, there are some bright spots on your lineup, some younger players. Joel Farabee comes to mind, 22 years old, six foot 164, drafted number 14 in 2018. What is your projections for Joel Farabee going forward? Well, he is injured right now, and so it's looking like he won't start the season. I'm guessing maybe three, four weeks into the season is probably the earliest we'll we'll see him out there. But that being said, I think that in the right situation, he could really take a big step forward. I think he's really starting to recognize the kind of role he can play on the team and earn top-line minutes. And if he does that, I think, and, you know, on a line potentially with a healthy Sean Couturier, I think that would be a really good situation for him to be in. Yeah, since we say everything potentially in regard to health with the Flyers, (laughs) uh, like everything, uh, I'll just say that I think um, Rachel's right. Farabee is definitely a, you know, a top line talent, I think. You know, you might be talking about 65, 70 points. I don't know if he'll get much more than that in his best year, but he's a really good player. So what are your thoughts uh, on Ryan Ellis, the 31-year-old defenseman who was acquired from Nashville? Nashville. Uh, It doesn't seem like, and Tortorella kind of had some disparaging comments about him. What um, are your thoughts on Ryan? I mean, I think John said what he said because the whole world knows he's not starting the season. So I think he just wanted to say the obvious because the, the GM's not. John seems to be the, the lead on this right now. Um, so based on that, I think once training camp opens, sometime during training camp, I don't even know if we'll see Ryan Ellis at camp other than to get his physical. And I expect him to start the season on the LTIR. Yeah, uh, just the whole Ryan Ellis question has kind of been a running bit on our show in terms of like, what's going on with Ryan Ellis now? Do we even know? Are they going to tell us? And so I think Russ is right that, you know, we just heard from John Tortorella finally, because it's just kind of been almost nothing out of management. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm just taking a look at your team, and it can only get better from here. And kind of in my closing here, I'm going to say that I think that, you know, the Flyers are in a pretty good position. I think that, you know, the Flyers went out and they got a great coach. It's a bit of a polarizing thing to say. Either you love or you hate John Tortorella. Um, I talked about in my podcast that I actually really like him as a coach. I think he gets results. Not so much in the long term. And, you know, there's a lot of people that talked about that this current Flyers team is somewhat similar to the Columbus team. Uh, that he left uh, not too long ago. and But, you know, if you can take a look at Columbus, he got some pretty good years out of uh, the Blue Jackets there. If he can kind of just take that Flyers team and push them in the right direction, you know, I think that, you know, just as an outsider, I know you guys cover this team uh, on a daily basis, but I think that, you know, in a couple of years, I think that they could be a fairly decent team. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the Flyers going forward? I'm thinking, you know, just taking a look at, you know, the pieces that they're putting together, what, two, three years, um, maybe even less, or what? what is your projections for this team bef- so they're sitting in a good position? Uh, that's yeah. another running kind yeah. of bit in Flyers land is like we're two years away from being two years away. <laughs> and uh, 
I, I think that, yeah, this year is going to be really interesting. There's a lot of questions going into this year, especially with the injuries and some of the injury history. Uh, the backup goaltender situation is a little messy because of Ivan Fedotov getting drafted into the uh, Russian army mm. and isn't coming over. So, uh, you know, I think that, Again, I really think it could go either way here. There could be a moderate improvement, like Russ was talking about, uh, that won't lead anywhere. So it won't get you like a top five pick and it won't get you into the playoffs. Um, or things could go very, very horribly. I think those are like the two options here. Yeah, I don't think they're in danger of um, this year beating the 74, 75 caps for futility, but I think they'll probably be worse than the uh in the metro worst or second worst i do think they're potentially good uh in two years but that's only potentially if at least three of the guys that we mentioned actually are actually are healthy like i i can't even project you two years down the line because i have no idea what their health is going to be to start the season Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. And once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals. My name is Dan Holmey, and you can find this podcast on Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. So once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, and I'll talk to you next time.